0: I'm Dr. Gina Ross, and I'm running for U.S. Senate for the state of Missouri. I'm good trouble because people are my first priority. I will stay true to all people as I stay true to myself. I'm unbossed, unbought, and unbiased, paving the way for change. Please follow me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Or go to my website, RossForUSSenate.com. We're better together, building a better tomorrow beginning today. Business as usual is no longer acceptable, and feel free to make a contribution. No dollar amount is too small. Thank you
1: very much. Just what you see in the flesh, I'm free from people, free from myself, there's a liberty in Christ, I am.
2: Well, welcome, welcome, welcome. And we are hanging out today. Welcome to the Ross for U.S. Senate 2022 campaign, and we're presenting a candid conversation with Dr. Gina Ross and Mr. Wayne Bug. Now, we're going to be talking about making drastic decisions to save our children's lives. And I'm just going to let Brother Bug just get in there and just share uh, what he's been working on and how he contributes to his community. Welcome, Wayne. Welcome, Dr.
0: Gina. Good evening.
3: Well, ladies, it's a privilege and honor to be with y'all tonight. Um, I'm here in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and I work at this uh, thrift store, and this uh, elder of the community has been coming in for years and been bragging about her daughter, Dr. Ross, and all the (laughs) wonderful things that she's doing to positively impact uh, our community, our nation, even. All right,
0: now. (laughs) And so...
3: uh, uh, I, yeah. Yeah. She's uh, your, probably your biggest cheerleader. And so uh, <laughs> she, I actually had the opportunity to to meet Dr. Ross a couple of weeks ago uh, as she was in town and we had an opportunity to kind of swap stories. Uh, got to hear a little bit about her move to Missouri and what uh, initiated that. And I was able to also share how I ended up in Minneapolis, Minnesota. And so I think one of the things that both of those stories had shared in common um, was drastic decisions being made in order um, to save the lives of youth. And in particular, I told her about myself growing up in the inner city of uh, Chicago, Illinois. It's a South suburb, Harvey, for those that are not familiar with that area. Uh, if you have ever seen the movies, The Blues Brothers, Um, There's a scene in a movie when the car drives through a mall and that mall is in Harvey, Illinois. And so uh, once the movie had done the shoot there, they never came back and fixed the mall, uh, Dixie square. And uh, that's how our city kind of laid in ruins. And so I lived in this pretty poverty stricken area um, that was riddled with crime. And um, as a youth growing up in that atmosphere, eventually, you know, I began to succumb to some of the pressures um, that come along with some of those lifestyles. Um, Mm -hmm. As a kid, as, um, you know, adolescence, I probably had dreams of being, you know, a doctor or a lawyer, Um, but by the age of uh, 12 or 13, I knew that that wasn't going to be a reality. I was able to look at those that were around me and see that those aspirations did not work out for them. And so to a degree it caused me to succumb or to give in, um, and ac- accept my reality that around me, people were poor, people were in gangs, people use drugs, sold drugs. And that was the best case scenario for me that either I was going to either sell drugs or use drugs. That was going to be my mainstay in life. And so, mm-hmm. um, I remember in middle school, at school ended, one of my classmates going outside, standing on the corner, and there's another group of guys who came up to him and asked him what gang he was in. He gave the wrong answer, and they beat him with a baseball bat. Mm -hmm. And uh, growing up in this chaotic environment, I began to try to figure out ways that I would be able to survive in that. And ultimately, it resulted in me joining the gang at some point. In order to survive, so not in order to you know be part of something cool or trendy, but uh-huh. it was to survive. I can either um, fight all the gangs or I can pick one and have an alliance with one. And so I did that, and uh, eventually in high school, I ended up getting kicked out of school my sophomore year, and they told me that I couldn't go to any public schools in Harvey. Uh, and going to school was not. know inspiring to me it felt like going to jail every day and then being released at three o'clock i remember opening up my locker one day and we had locker partners assigned to us and a gun fell out Uh, my classmate had brought a a gun to school to protect himself and so in such a chaotic environment it just fostered hopelessness and there was something that was something drastic was necessary for me uh-huh. in order for me to be a saved. I was the oldest of four kids. Um, my parents, and no, they love me and um, they had their struggles as well um, oh. growing up in this environment. And, and I think that they tried alcohol and drugs to be able to medicate themselves and dealing with all this hopelessness. Uh, bringing a kid up in this environment is something that I would not, uh, you know, put on my worst enemies. And so as a parent being in a, place of hopelessness, um, I can see that on my parents' face. And so um, once I got kicked out of school, I found uh, a group of people to hang out with. There were other dropouts. And the amount of uh, criminal activity I participated in began to grow. And then, particularly one day I was with a friend and uh, we went to go buy some weed from someone. And when that person who was selling the weed opened the door, my friend shot him. Uh, Yeah. And it was, uh, it was a shock to me. And, um, eventually the guy turned himself in and I was able to get out of that situation and become an accomplice to something the man lived. Um, and so that was helpful too. And there was something drastic that, again, that I believe needed to be done. And so I was able to reach out to a aunt of mine and ask her if I can come move with her in the neighboring state of Indiana. Mm -hmm. And it was a difficult decision for my parents.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: I can, son. I can
2: imagine, yeah.
3: it, it you was, know, go ahead. At any I point mean, I want to, yeah.
2: you know, you don't want your uh, number one, being the oldest being the son, you know, and, and it's something about being a parent that you want to, you want to raise your own kids. You know, yeah. there's, there's some, there's something about that, you know, it's like, okay, well, you know, someone else raising them. I, I never wanted it to come alongside the, on the back end of me being a parent and saying, okay, well, you didn't raise me, you know, so-and-so raised me or whatever, uh, you know. But but I understand, too, the despair that your parents had being in that type of community uh, well you know this is not an unusual community this is this is just the community that we find ourselves in uh, African American and of course the, the the community the ghetto right
4: yes. yeah.
2: uh it, it's it is what it is now y- your parents are your uh, parents were no different than than myself you know mm. or any other parent you know you fight to do whatever you can to to get out of that situation. So to make a better, a better place for your children. Uh, And then even after you've done all you can, sometimes it's just not enough. Yes.
4: Uh,
2: And, but I commend, go ahead and finish the story. I I mean, I commend your parents in that I understand where they were coming from.
3: Yeah. Uh And, and they made the difficult decision to allow me to move. Uh And it was a sad, you know, Uh, time for me even now as I think about it you know it it brings back some of the emotions of leaving my three younger siblings um you know feeling like I almost you know ran out on them to a degree and uh and, and then obviously my parents as well and so so I made this shift and I moved with my aunt and so part of my story is my I was living with my mom and my stepdad so I moved with my biological dad's sister and which had his tension in itself Mm. because there was always uh uh i I would say even far as a hatred towards my dad as a youth for not being there for me Mm. and so now i find myself living resentment resentment yeah resentment maybe even better yeah Mm. that there was uh that somebody had left me abandoned me And so so now I'm living with his sister and I have this hard heart towards her brother, um, but she's allowed me to come into her space. um, And I thank her for that. Uh, But sometimes it used to get a little tense in the house when his name would come up and they would talk about how good of a guy he was. And, you know, I would disagree with that.
4: Mm -hmm.
3: Um, But nonetheless. So here she is. She was a single mom. She was uh, had four kids of her own and she allowed me to come into her space. And I appreciate the opportunity to get away from where I was from, Mm -hmm. but she didn't tell me on a call that she lived in Gary, Indiana, which was just as bad if not worse than the place that I was leaving. Mm -hmm. And so here I find myself in a new scenery, new state, but the same situation arises. I'm still a dropout. Um, There's still crime, there's still gangs. And I'm trying and I'm in survival mode. And um, one day my cousin uh, gets pistol whipped by another gentleman um, for being at his girlfriend's house and things of that nature. And my aunt makes a drastic decision to save her kids and reaches out to a friend in Minneapolis, Minnesota and asks her, can we come live with her? And so here's my aunt who's been in Gary for, you know, 10 or 15 years. And she packs us all up and um, we drive this minivan all the way down 94 to to Minneapolis. Mm -hmm. And so it's six of us. The lady who lives in Minneapolis is living in a one bedroom house for her own two kids. And we're just spread out all over the floor here in Minneapolis. Like refugees, refugees. But what big hearts. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: Lord, what big hearts those women had. They were so brave. Yeah. The woman that allowed for her to come down and bring her uh, six people and uh, look that that's some love there, huh? Yes. That's some love, and it says something. You're mm-hmm. talking about some drastic decisions. Yes, come on now, yeah. you're talking about some drastic decisions. That said, love that sounds pretty. Dr- that's some drastic love here. Yeah. That woman loved turning up to say, "Come on, sis, Shh. I got a one bedroom, but y'all y'all come on and and Oh Lord. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Was she a Christian? Uh,
3: you know what? I don't know about Miss Renee. Uh, I never heard her talking about her, her Christian beliefs. You know, I know my aunt. Well, she Eve, sure exhibited she did. it. Yes, yeah, she did. Yes, she Ooh, did. Oh, Lord. Yeah, yes. Go ahead. Go and ahead.
4: And so, yeah. So
3: Miss Renee let us stay with her. And um, uh, I began to see that there was uh, something different about this place than Gary and then Harvey in Minneapolis. You know, the grass was a little bit greener. Mm-hmm. The water was a little bit cleaner. The arrows, you know, smell a little bit better than that thing. And so Mm -hmm. I was, so I was hopeful that I could, this can be my launching pad. That something Mm -hmm. different can happen here, but habits, (laughs) you know, I, I, the one person or one thing I carry with me when I did all this moving was myself. I couldn't shake me.
2: Okay. Now, now brother Wayne, I have to kind of jump in a little bit and Uh I'm, I'm wondering, okay. Were there any other male role models that were helping these women raise you? Uh,
3: See, not closely, not all right. okay. regularly, all
2: right. So give yeah. yourself some slack now. Yeah. No, I I, I, yeah. I do now,
3: and, you know, but the reality is mm-hmm. that sometimes we need a changed heart. Just sometimes the scenery I see. is not enough, I see. you know? Mm-hmm. And so even though we can move out of the hood, we can move out of the ghetto, if there's not, and and, and sometimes, right, that, that that hardness of heart is fostered because of the environment that we was originally uh, uh, developed in. Yeah, you had
2: to be hard to survive. You had, That's right. what you were sharing.
3: Hmm. Yeah, and so, but there, there has to be a willingness to allow the sun and the rain to hit that hard heart to allow it to be uh, able to uh, accept new growth. And so there was a, a work that needed to be done in my heart because I became so hard hearted. And so uh, all that being said, I, I noticed it, but I couldn't do nothing about it. I didn't know I didn't know what, what, what was happening here. So, I, cause I found myself start hanging out with the same type of people in gangs and things of that nature, smoking weed, drinking and all those different things. And so um, eventually my aunt was able to get her own place and we lived next door to this gentleman named Jack. Um, and Jack um, invited me to come work for him. Um, he, was, he was the manager of this thrift store. And so he saw me out there and uh, up to no good. And he, and, he, and he took a chance on me and said, you know, will not you come down here and help me move some of this furniture? And then 25 years later, I'm still here. Praise God. Well Praise there God. there's yeah. the
2: man yeah, that we were talking about. Yes, okay. Yes, yes,
3: yes. God
2: sent him in a little different way, huh? Yes. yes. But sent him where you where you needed him. Yeah. You know, you needed him. You because you know you, you didn't need to, to grow up. You were already grown and mature in that way. Uh so you weren't a little boy, mm-hmm. uh, but you were big enough to move some furniture and and hang out and be responsible. And 25 years later, I tell you, and what what a blessing. All right, Uh, Brother Kareem Jackson says, evening,
5: fam, good to see you. Wow, what a story. It kind of reminds me of like, when I lived in Minneapolis, I was a juvenile correction officer, and you know, down there on Park Avenue. And Mm -hmm. a lot of the juveniles that were in there, you know, I would listen to their conversations and yeah, my dad's across the street, you know? So they thought that they had to have the same life because their dad was across the street in the adult detention center, you know? Mm. And I I was like, you don't have to do that just because your father is there. And, you know, I would ask some of the ones that were in there for murder, Mm. why are you just... They called it back then, spraying bullets. I don't know what they call it now. Mm -hmm. I was like, some people can't even let their children go outside. And one was like, lady, you just keep your kids in the house. I said, but don't you know that bullets don't have any name on it? I said, Mm -hmm. you could just be spraying and that bullet could hit your mom, your auntie, your grandma, Mm -hmm. or anybody that you love. And he was like, you know, I never thought of it that way. Mm -hmm. And and a lot of the young people, they just want someone to listen to them. If you listen to them, because I the end of the day, they'd be like, lady, can I go with you? No, you can't go with me. Stay here <laughs> mm-hmm. and, you know, get your help. But and then a lot of the other children were there because the foster care homes were full. St. Mm-hmm. Joseph's home for children were full. So then you had children that didn't have anywhere to go. So they were just there.
4: Mm-hmm. And that mm-hmm.
5: was um, disheartening, too. But I would find the most helpful staff would be like ones like me that would listen because I'm a mother, too.
4: Mm-hmm.
5: You know, and and just listen to them and not want to abuse them when they're being irate or, you know, trying to fight you or whatever. I didn't have any trying to fight me. And I don't Mm know. You see this EOI here? (laughs) You know, but they have Mm -hmm. the most uh, utmost respect when they know that you genuinely care about Mm -hmm. them. So I'm glad that that man Mm -hmm. seen something in you to let you um, work and you know, just do some impartation in you to let you know that you are worth something and you are somebody to help mm-hmm. you to where you are now. Because when my mother comes in the store, all she talks about is you. <laughs> uh,
3: that's awesome. Uh, uh, yeah. it's Great a, testimony. Yeah, it is. And it's a testament, you know, I, you know, to those people, I think sometimes as I have the opportunity to tell my story or testimony that I forget all of these pertinent, important people that God had dropped in my life. And, you know, and as I'm thinking about this, one of the people that I pay homage to is is my stepdad uh, who stepped into my life when my father had left. And so even though my stepdad was imperfect and he had his issues, he showed me this unconditional love. It was tough love, Mm -hmm. Uh, but he was trying to prepare me for a world that's tough. And so Mm -hmm. even the idea to work. So when Jack asked me about working, you know, some of my friends turned them down. Um, but my uh, example of a man was my stepdad who went out and he worked every day as a mm-hmm. carpenter. Mm-hmm. And so to me, work was not foreign. He would take us to work with him and he wouldn't pay us all that much, but um, nonetheless um, he, he would prepare me for this season that mm-hmm. would launch that I would launch into. And, and from there, uh, the, uh, the Lord uh, surrounded me by other people that will help um, foster and nurture um, something in me that would do a work in my heart that would um, allow change to happen.
4: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
3: And so I found myself at this thrift store and there was people volunteering there, which to me was kind of crazy coming from poverty. I'm like, who works for free? Like that's I think is a gimmick. Some see I love to something, um, but it was a Christian organization. And these people had decided to open a thrift store in the middle of the hood um, to demonstrate their love for God and their love for people. And so as I maneuvered in this place, um, people began to have conversations with me. And particularly there was a volunteer president, Daryl Bach, and he came up to me one day, white man, and said that you're wasting your time. You need to go back to school. And I was like, who is white man talking to? You know, I said, don't you know what I do? You know, <laughs> but... He was, he would kept bringing it up, and he was kept uh-huh. saying that you you need to go back to school, like he and he was, like there was these keys to success in life, uh-huh. and, and education was one of them. And so eventually, I gave in, and I went back, and I began to take GED classes. I worked during the day and got uh, uh went to school and got uh, classes at night. I,
2: uh I have a GED, I sure oh. do. Woo! Well, see, I mean, right.
3: look, that. I'm a GED girl because look. <laughs> Uh,
2: See, I was a a teenager. I was a homeless teenager. Mm. Mm -hmm. So I had to go try to find a job. And and by the time I worked, I took a second shift because I was trying to go to school in the daytime Mm. and then uh, working in the evening so that I could put a roof over my head. Now, you know, we're talking about Uh, someone that knows about it, but this is not an unusual thing because we're talking about the foster care system that fails. Okay. And I was part of that. I was part of that too. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're talking about the communities that uh, don't support their hostile communities because of the examples of life, you know, people thinking that hey, they have to be the same as what their dad is doing or do the same as what their mom is doing or whatever. So, I get it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I am a GD person, but here, I didn't stop there. I didn't stop there. So, you go ahead and you yeah, tell you yeah. know the rest of your story.
3: Yeah, and yeah, this yeah, there's definitely a system, right? I mean, mm-hmm. so and that's why this story is now unique to mm-hmm. communities of color, right? Yes, and, come on, and, and and it's sad that that is a story that you hear because I have peers that. Don't can relate to my story and how you were able to just jump in there where these other individuals didn't have those type of pressures upon them. Right. Because one of the reasons why I was working, I was probably about 17. I'm helping to support my aunt who has a house that she's renting to take care of us. And so I'm trying to do my part to contribute to her so I can't go full time to school. And so here I find myself working during a day and taking these GD classes at night. Mm-hmm. And so um you know and then going into systems, and maybe that's a conversation for another day. But I just remember like stuff with my aunt where, um, if our household made over a certain income, mm-hmm. then they would take away her food stamps, oh, yeah, and then they would take away the medical the dental, and so it was penalizing people from trying to come up out of poverty. And so it was, uh, it was a mess. That's a foul system, right there, yeah, it, it's, it's foul, a-
2: but it's the same, it hasn't Not changed, no. you know, it's the mm-hmm. same. Uh, when we're talking about people, you know, doing the best that they can, taking advantage of these resources so that they can do better, well, you you eventually do, but there is a struggle. You do have to persevere to do that. And like you, you had mentioned, the more you try to do better when it comes to the income on one end, then they take away the other uh, assistance on the other end, and, and you're, still, you're still, you're still you're not balanced you're because still that, trying that's to
5: where democracy needs to come in because families are not being represented if you're mm-hmm. trying to take away from a family that is trying to thrive instead of just survive mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know and
2: then a young person too you know except at, at 17 you know there's uh, communities that are not of color but 17 you're you're really still trying to you're in high school somewhere you're preparing to go to college somewhere right you, you don't have that type of of lifestyle to where you're, you know, actually contributing to a household yeah. at 17. So, mm-hmm. you know, my brother.
3: Yeah, which so. can be which can be a trap, right? Mm-hmm. You know, because yeah, you, you are be. seven, you are 17 and you're working a job at a thrift store or McDonald's, mm-hmm. whatever. You're mm-hmm. trying to do your part to support your family. I
2: got but, something to say about that. Go yeah, ahead yeah, though. I got yeah. something I got to something say to about say that. Too.
3: Yeah, right. And, and so <laughs> So you so you mm-hmm. can end up there. You that can could be your career. You right. And, mm-hmm. Unless there's some intervention mm-hmm. on behalf, you know, and thank God for this young man mm-hmm. or older man mm-hmm. um, who intervened you know, on my behalf and says this is not enough. Mm hmm. That for, this, you, for you, for you, he, for, saw, yes. that you he had... saw that you had. Yeah, if I had the 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 capabilities, and mm-hmm. I'm not saying every, I'm not saying college is for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, there's other you know jobs working for the state, or um, my son works at uh, for a recycling company, mm-hmm. and so instead of you know going to college, and so there's there's different opportunities, but knowing that there's some jobs that, um, especially with minimum wage, depending on where you are at, that they're lower than others. Anyway. The young man told me that I need to be doing something more. Uh And so so I began to take these classes and then eventually I got the GD, and I came back to show Daryl and he was so proud of me. Uh, But what he said to me was kind of like what you said. It's not enough. And I was shocked. Like, you know, like for me, this was like winning the lottery. Like people I grew up with didn't have a high school diploma. And okay. so here it is. I have this piece of paper and you're telling me that it's not enough. And so step
2: one, step, step one, one like what?
3: I want to retire education wise. <laughs> this is the pinnacle right here. I'm done, done deal. Um, but he encouraged me to go go to college. Mm-hmm. And so I found myself at the community college signing up and. Um, Taking classes there um, as I continued to further my education, and uh, and eventually came back. It was a two-year degree. It took me four years to get it. Uh, That's
4: okay. (laughs) But I, but I, but
3: I, but I showed up uh, with this piece of paper, Mm -hmm. and uh, at this time we had a new. executive director who I came in, Ed Kerner, and um, he began to work with me and he said, if you go for your bachelor, we'll help you with your tuition. And so I went on that journey for my bachelor's degree mm-hmm. um, at the university. And so it just kept going. And so, but at the same time, while all these things are happening, education wise, work wise, I'm doing okay. Um, but I, there's still something missing in my life. There's still a brokenness. There's still, you um, Areas of my life are incomplete. At this time, I've had a, ch- a, ch- uh, a son out of wedlock,
4: mm-hmm. and then
3: his mom is not getting along. I'm paying child support. I'm doing supervised visitation, um, and there's a need inside of me to achieve a higher level spiritually or mature wise. I didn't know it was spiritually, but mature. Like I, there needs to. I need to grow up somehow, and and I couldn't. I couldn't mm-hmm. put my finger on it.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> so no one witnessed to you about
3: not Jesus. Yeah. No, I mean, as a, as a shorty, you know what I'm saying? We grew up in a church atmosphere, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. I never was able to reconcile this Jesus that everybody talked about with the reality of my lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Right. So I, I, I always believe that if you believe in Jesus and you die, you'll go to heaven, but how is he going to help me, um, not get shot or not get beat up or help my mom pay her rent. And so I could never mar- marry those things. And so here as, as an adult, I wasn't able to reconcile them either. Uh-huh. And so um, sadly, my cousin who I came here with um, was killed in a in a, in a robbery. And uh-huh. it put me on a soul searching journey because uh-huh. um, I was with him 30 minutes before it happened. And I began to question God, why not me?
4: Uh-huh. Why
3: am I still living? What is your purpose? And um, so I began, um, to go to this church that was nearby. And so there was a couple guys, customers that was witnessing to me. So as I'm here at the store, they kept coming in telling me about their church and I kept putting them off.
1: Um, <laughs> but in this
3: season of my life, I remember them saying this church was down the street and I began to visit the church. I would go late and sit in the back and I would leave before church was over with. So any, nobody could talk to me. Um, and I would just try to be in this atmosphere where I could try to hear from God. And, uh, and then I, I began to read the Bible and I began, like, it was almost kind of crazy. Like I it was, you know, I could hear from God, like God was speaking to me through this book. That's what he does. Yeah. And it was <laughs> like, the words was jumping off the page. Like I tried to read this stuff before it make no sense, mm-hmm. but now it was making sense. And, mm-hmm. um, it, 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 it began to give me a blueprint on life and so i had learned on how to live in the streets surviving there was a whole book for that and now i had to scrap that book Mm -hmm. and pick up this new book and try to live according to it in order to have the best life that god intended for me and so it was it was a big change
4: Mm -hmm, mm
2: -hmm. and you know i think that remarkably speaking uh people they don't know that the Lord actually follows them. Now I know that we are, we're dealing with the, the political end of it because this is uh Dr. Gina Ross and she's running for us Senate. But see, here's the thing. Everybody knows that she is a believer. Okay? That's right. So we're, we're not hiding anything. And I think that part of the answer to a lot, the answer, not mm-hmm. part of, but the answer to, what we deal with uh, in our communities, uh, not just ours exclusively, because there's some poor rural communities that will that are just as unbelievable as what mm. we go through too. Mm. And I think that what what we don't hear enough about those uh, communities, and but there are communities all over. Uh, the rural community and the poor white community uh european american community that that deals with what we've just talked about uh, but people don't realize that really the answer is let's let's get in that word you know mm-hmm. and what they like to do and what i find what the world does is that they'll get in the world get in the word to see what it what it means to make you know money, you know mm-hmm. to how, how to trip people up, how to con people or whatever, but mm-hmm. to to actually have the free the free will and the life, the fulfilled life that you were seeking, uh it really takes God tugging on those heartstrings to say, "Hey, I'm here. Uh, get to know me." So you know the journey God was taking you through. Uh, I just. I thank him because he, you know, that's not an unusual thing. That's how kind of how he works. Uh, He'll take you through the
5: journey. All right. All right. I know out here um, where I live in Platte, it's rural. It's mid city rural. But uh, like a few of my students, three of them. Well, there's actually more than three that I have when I worked at the high school. Um, They recently passed from um, opioids
4: Mm
5: -hmm. and heroin overdoses. And it's like, what's going on with these young children just to go out like that? We need a lot of programs and just a lot of help. And I know um, before opioids, there was crack and they didn't make that a mental health issue or, Mm. you know, it wasn't an issue at all. It was just poor black people on crack, black people on crack. But when it comes to opioids, it's like, oh, we have to have all these programs. But we need something that will help everybody. Yes. Uh-huh, uh-huh. everybody there's so many people that need help families need help and like moving here <laughs> to Missouri and starting life all over again with two boys and a girl
4: mm-hmm.
5: that was rough with my sons because as soon as they got taller than me and then the peer pressure of being called church boys mm-hmm. then it was on I mean <laughs> it was on I was like oh lord help me the red bandanas you know mm-hmm. and I kept throwing it away and it just kept appearing and I used to make them do push-ups and everything else and at first they would cry and I'm like I just kept adding on because you can't running in your mouth and you just gonna keep on then it got to the point when the oldest was 14 started getting them little muscles and cuts get uh, to do some now mom you know <laughs> it was too easy then but uh yeah I just did the best I could. Mm -hmm. When you turned 14 here, you were getting a job and it wasn't Mm -hmm. to help me pay bills. It was to teach you how to be responsible and multi My house too. My house too. You were going to school. You Mm can still play your sports. Other people might, you know, have been talking, oh, she shouldn't do that. You mind your business because you're not in here helping me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But I'm struggling Mm -hmm. and having to quit my jobs to take my kids to different appointments and go back to Minnesota to go to court for 15 minutes for my ex-husband just dragging me to court just to be dragging me to court Mm -hmm. because he already said I wasn't going to have nothing. He was trying to make sure I didn't have nothing, have my car taken from me and everything. And that was Mm. in my divorce decree. So Mm. it's like I had to work extra hard. And then, you know, working as a juvenile uh, correction officer and raising these boys, you would think they would know don't try mom, but they're still going to try you just for that little rebellious sake to try to steal my peace. And um, I would look for support. There really wasn't none. So mm-hmm. I would do mm-hmm. the best that I could. And sometimes i just lift them up and hold them up against the wall. Because, yeah, I'm strong. <laughs> <laughs> I really am. Oh, yes. I oh. I'm trying to knock you down. And it's not mm-hmm. abuse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you no know, marks on you. Uh-huh. It's not abuse. <laughs> 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 but these Fair are real, the <laughs> real
2: life issues. Yes. Real life issues. But they're fine yeah. now. You mm-hmm. know, they're grown mm-hmm. and they're fine. Mm-hmm hmm.
5: And it's like they just need that push. And, like, how Mr. Wayne had that encouragement. Mm-hmm. My son, the oldest one now, he's in Memphis and he finds the older men talking to him at his job. And they tell him how mature he is for his age. Mm-hmm. And he gives mama credit. You know, he didn't yeah. like me when he was younger because I'm the mean mom.
4: Yeah.
5: <laughs> but he can hold his own to this day because of how I raised him. And Mm -hmm. we didn't look out, look for no handouts or nothing. I didn't have no one coming in and out of my house raising my kids. I raised Mm -hmm. them myself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we're
2: talking about making drastic decisions to save our youth, our our children's lives. And it really
5: takes everybody because sometimes Mm -hmm. your kids don't want to hear you. Mm -hmm. So it it, it takes an outsider or someone else. And we just need to share the wealth, share the knowledge, and Mm -hmm. just encourage one another. Mm -hmm. Stop Mm -hmm. hating and making children feel like they're not enough. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, we just need to be there for one another. It takes a village. Yeah. And I wish I would have had a village to help me. <laughs> mm-hmm. But God was my help and he was my strength. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: You know, they they threw that oh, around. They threw that slogan around. It takes a village. And then while they were saying that it takes a village on they the front it. end, on the back end, they were incarcerating our children. Mm-hmm. Uh, You know, I remember those campaigns uh, Mm -hmm. and how the Clintons had uh, three strikes, you're outlaws. Well, I used to work for the Missouri
5: Department of Corrections. Mm -hmm. So a lot Mm -hmm. of men in prison was because of child support or tickets or something like that. Well, you give them longer sentences than someone else that. Uh, Murdered somebody Yes. uh uh You know, give them their driver's license Back, Uh, give them what they need So they can be self-sustainable To end recidivism
4: Uh
5: You Uh know, they have these Programs called restorative justice But I think they have the wrong people Working with them, because if you're not really helping them And when they leave, you just uh, Give them a bus ticket And tell them to go on, they're going to come back Uh You're not helping them, they're not giving them the tools That they need to be successful
2: which it, once you get uh, become incarcerated, you come out and then you have that on your record as a felon. And It makes it hard
5: to get a job. So you know. we need more programs that can help even the, the teenagers get mm-hmm. a job, even once you're considered what they call an offender or whatever. You know, it's like just be some of this stuff is just a mess. It is
2: a mess. And I think it's a mess by design too. One of the things that uh, you have on your platform, Dr. Gina, is that, and I'm going to go ahead and share Mass
5: incarceration. I mean, just some of this stuff doesn't make any sense. And then other people can get a slap on the wrist and don't do no time at all. Mm
2: -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The the, uh, sustainable economic development is something that's on your platform. Mm -hmm. And you were talking about the hardworking Missourians that have been impacted and, and, you know, with the COVID and everything, and then to ensure that, that all are represented. Well, uh, this is uh, economic development. I think does just doesn't come from uh, maybe the, the low income inner city, but to kind of think about, like I had mentioned to the rural areas, and then as well to bring in and and get uh, those that are incarcerated, you know, to deal with the 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 people that have been incarcerated. Once they come out, helping with the uh, those people to to get jobs. Education is something that's on your platform as well that you you support education in public schools. And
5: everybody deserves a second chance. Mm-hmm. People need chances.
2: Mm-hmm. Mhm. Uh it, the the second chance of of when you come out it's it's on your record but but I I don't know of of any place, you know, you can and I I work with nonprofits. You can contact me and and usually, you know, we'll get calls uh, from time to time from a couple of the businesses that I work with, but they'll they'll ask do you have any any work for community service work that we could do? That's something else. Do you know of anyone that's hiring, even though I'm a felon? I get that question all the time. Uh, So there's got to be more economic development uh, that will will help Americans and Missourians
5: as a whole, too. And stop being scared of someone because they went to prison and and Uh came out. Uh (laughs) Everybody's not Uh going to harm you. Uh You know, that's Uh why you need the community service. Give them a chance. Uh Uh Give people a chance. Uh
2: The uh, I'm gonna go ahead too and share your uh, we're gonna share look this at his here. beautiful family. Look at that, mm,
5: look yeah. at them twins, <laughs> <laughs> look at the wifey. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
3: So there's my, my my son, Bishop, right there. This is a high school graduation. And uh, my daughter on the right, there's Devon, my wife next to Bishop on the left, daughter Whitney, um, and then the twins, Justine on the left and Jasmine on the right. And so that picture right there is a testimony to how good God is, because I would have never saw this as a kid um, being possible for my life. And then as I became somewhat steady as an adult and have these kids, particularly my son, um, it was a difficult patch in my life as Ms. Dr. Ross was talking about raising an African-American men and this climate in this country. And so to try to steer him away from all the things that I had um, dealt with or was involved with was a challenge mm-hmm. and so to see him at the finish line of having this high school diploma uh, was such a <laughs> such such a big deal and so uh, all glory to god
1: mm-hmm. Amen,
3: for sure
2: now how if if you don't mind me asking how long have you uh have you and your wife been together
3: we've been married fifth. 16 years before I get in trouble. So. All right. <laughs> 16, years 16, <laughs> right, 16, years, 16 <laughs> years, 16 years. All right. Yeah. yeah.
4: yeah.
2: yeah. You know, it, this She's is, beautiful. this is what, it, it, this is a testimony of what, what God can do, but yeah. also when you when you encourage young people and get them in an environment that can be a blessing to them. I mean, because I, I I'm thinking everything that you just shared, it wasn't one thing that helped you get to this point. It was everything. Correct. It was the the package, the package that helped you get to this point and to be that dad. Uh, I think that our girls need uh male role models they just do. as much. Girls
5: need their daddies. Mm-hmm
2: as yeah, the, yeah. the guys do most definitely yeah. uh, you know I commend you on that now here too we do uh, you have a YouTube channel uh, a YouTube channel that uh, is pretty let's see I can probably go ahead and share that uh, now what do you talk about
3: uh, I would- putting the Bible into action. As I said earlier, as a kid, I grew up in church and I didn't know how that stuff applied to me as a kid, how it was gonna help me deal with my day-to-day life. And so um, as I was at home with, uh, as most people were do the pandemic dealing with COVID, I began uh, uh, to make a couple of videos and um, a coworker of mine suggested that I keep making them. And so I think it's probably about 20 videos on here now. And, and most of these things are just talking about how to live a life that glorifies God and causes you to have, um, a sense of purpose and success. Um, and I, you know, and it's a way for me to, uh, to share all my teachable moments. My kids are always saying that dad, you're always talking about teachable moments where I'm sitting them down <laughs> and giving them lectures. And so this is an opportunity to share that with the world. Um, and so as a one, I, I think here finding my way back and I'm sure that there's some scripture that's a attached to it and finding people showing people how once you stumble in this life right that don't have to be your your curtain call um there's opportunities with with god giving you a second chance but people will too um not all people but there will be that person there will be that jack there will be that renee there will be that auntie Mm -hmm. um that will help you um through that season in life and so uh so yeah that's my channel particularly words with wayne Hopefully, they're encouraging words to help you in whatever season of life you're in. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So,
5: if you were in a in a group full of, like, let's say, a gymnasium full of 300 boys, let's say from middle school to high school, what would you tell them today to help them walk in a better light or see things better than a better perspective from what they see right now? Because maybe you might be the only hope that they have. You might be the only male Mm -hmm. figure that is in their face that even looks like them to say something Mm -hmm. to spark their interest that "Hmm, maybe if he did a turnaround, you know, maybe I could have a better life, too. What would you say
3: that they're special? You know, that that God has a purpose and plan for their life and they're not a mistake, I think. That was some of the things that I probably struggled with internally, not having my dad around and praise God for my mom. You know, she was tough like you, Miss Ross, when she would hold me up against the wall too and do all yeah, those I- different tactics <laughs> and um, uh, put everything that she could into me to, to, to make me a, a better person a better man. And, and so I, I, I praise God for her, but, but even as, especially as a teenager, you have these questions about who you are and the reality is, we have media you know so i'm listening to rap music and it's talking about thug life and i'm watching movies about uh the king of harlem and all of those different things that i i, I began to take on a persona and so uh-huh. uh, so i would try to also talk to the kids and not falling into peer pressure
4: mm-hmm. um,
3: it's okay to not be normal. It's okay to not be that person who the world is trying to tell you who you are. So you're watching the news and they're saying in Chicago, 50 people were shot this weekend. Mm -hmm. And so you're trying to, so kind of what they call subliminal message that that shooter or you are victim. So you're trying to find out which one of these persons that you're going to be. And then you, the the music that you're listening to is fostering that mindset as well. Mm -hmm. And so I had to, give up um the the rap music and um and the and the movies particularly for a season i you know i may watch something here or there but for sure it was something that i could not have a steady diet of in -hmm. order for me to have a changed mindset or who uh of god says that i am and so challenging them to give up that diet of that type of music if they're listening to it mm-hmm. that's
2: something right there that is super profound in what you just shared in that um, you know people don't think that the culture of the, this hip-hop the this rap that is that is being uh, commercialized and and uh, put in our faces as as normal
5: it's not normal I used it's, to ban it. It wasn't allowed in my yeah, house. But oh, they, would, they would sneak it, mm-hmm, <laughs> but mm-hmm. it, it wasn't allowed. Yeah, it's not normal.
2: <laughs> you know, one thing, you know, we're talking about young people in school and violence. We do have a situation here in the greater, uh, one of the uh, schools here in the Kansas City, uh, Missouri School District that uh, had a, a situation where the, uh, junior high school student stabbed and killed another junior high school mm-hmm. student. So a 14-year-old uh, has, is dead because of this school violence and uh, what's going on. I, and I think that, you know, people, and these are, you know, they do have Hispanic names, okay? In this community, I know, uh, i kind of did some work in the community. It's a Hispanic community now predominantly. So it's not just it's not just African Americans. This is this is uh, we're dealing with Hispanic. We're dealing with with European American rule. We're dealing with African Americans. We're dealing with the culture of America when it yeah. comes to uh, this violence and negativity that our our young people are exposed to, uh, and what uh, they're going to be having. I do want to give a quick plug. They're going to be having a a. Uh, kind of a memorial at one of the skating rinks here in on thursday so this is at the winwood skate if you guys want to and i think it's from six to eight that they're going to have a memorial for this young person who was a skater mm-hmm. uh you know that kind of thing and i and i commend the community the skating the business community for saying look we're going to embrace these young people mm-hmm. we're going to have something here that's going to help them Along in trying to deal with this uh, this uh, unfortunate situation that happened, we're not going to push them away, put them in a box. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they're violent, they're this. No, this is this is at because this guy, this young person, loved to skate. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, and I think that that that's something that uh, we do with some of the other nonprofit. This is an organization that I work with, you know, we we try to introduce young people to a better uh, the culture and a better way to to enjoy life and not and just get them out of the get them out of the get get them from in front of the tv
4: you know
2: the video games and i
5: went skating a couple weeks ago and i I told you this when i was waiting in line Mm -hmm. um there were some young people and i mean they straight were cussing like sailors and there was Mm -hmm. a father with his young daughter and Mm -hmm. i could see them just cringing yeah so i said to the young man he was a caucasian guy And I said, hey, I said, you need to watch your mouth. Mm -hmm. I said, can you stop cussing? I said, because there are parents here with their young children and every other word that comes out of your mouth is a cuss word. You Mm -hmm. know, and I said it Mm -hmm. just like that. And he knew I wasn't playing. So he was like, okay. And mm-hmm. then one of the other ones cussed, he said, you can't say that because praise the Lord is standing here. <laughs> I don't care what <laughs> you call me.
4: <laughs> praise the Lord is me. standing
5: but sometimes here. you just got to say something you and it's do. not what you say, it's mm-hmm. how you say it. But mm-hmm. I got tired of listening to it because mm-hmm. you keep cussing mm-hmm. around me. It sounds like a second language because it's just piercing and it mm-hmm. didn't need to be said. And let's yeah, all definitely. go in here, go skating and have fun. And,
3: mm-hmm.
5: you know, what? Mm-hmm. some people's mouths need to be washed out with soap. I don't, I yeah. I'm old school. I don't care. Yeah.
3: And, <laughs> and with that being said, I, before we run out of time, you know, talking about a drastic decision to save our children's life, everybody will not be able to um, send their kids to move with an aunt or move to another state. But mm-hmm. I would challenge the parents that listen to this um, to be courageous in raising your kids. Mm-hmm. Do not, give them over to the culture. Uh Um, So if that's having these tough conversations about profanity, you don't let profanity in your house. Watch what, you know, you have the password to Netflix. Um, Uh I I had my children when they did their homework and when computers came, you know, something that they needed every day that it was on the kitchen table. So anytime that thing is open, I can walk by any moment and and see it. Um, Not saying that they ain't sneak and get tablets and all those things, but it wasn't going to be permissible that this type of music, these type of movies and things of that nature was displayed in, in our house and so I just encourage and challenge parents on, on that today not to just give in to that which the kids want that they need to place boundaries uh-huh. in these exactly. kids lives um, exactly. to keep them um, to keep them safe. that's uh-huh. one of the you know the biggest job is as a parent my job is to protect you and sometimes that means protecting you from yourself uh-huh. exactly
5: and stop trying to be their friends be the mm-hmm. parent. Don't let your kid tell you, don't be scared of them and let them tell Mm -hmm. you what they're going to do. Like they're the parent, you're not paying no Mm -hmm. bills up in this Mm -hmm. house. Mm -hmm. Like one thing that will irritate me is sometimes when my children would go to school and the teachers let them do whatever they want. And then when they come back home, they think that their opinion matters. It it matters a little bit, but not as far as what you're going to tell me what I'm going to do or what you're not, or what you're going to do in my house. Mm -hmm. So like you said, boundaries and, um, Look, when you're in my house, you're gonna follow my rules. And mm-hmm. if you can't follow them, then I can help you.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> raise, raise your children. That's what I'm hearing. Yeah. Raise um, now. Yeah, so we don't yeah. try
5: to be their friend. Mm-hmm.
2: Pay yeah. attention to them, Yes. Uh, protect talk them, them, talk to them. I know you're tired, sis. I know you're frustrated, bruh, you know, when it comes to resources, finances, whatever you're dealing with. But those are your children. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Raise your children. Yeah. Yeah. Take raise care your them children. The best you can. I helped Definitely. raise my
5: nieces and nephews. So mm-hmm. before I had mine, <laughs> I raised because my sister, mm-hmm. you know, she was murdered. And um mm-hmm. that left my mom with kids and then to help my mom, then I took some.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: And
5: mm-hmm. we just do the best we can.
3: And, and I would say, you know, don't wait till you perfect before you start implementing oh, these things. Right? Exactly. So, you a hypocrite. You are, yeah, I drink, but you're not drinking. Right? Yeah. You're not, yeah, you're not you're not gonna okay. pull up to the table with me. No, you're not gonna smoke okay. with me. Yeah, exactly. I smoke. Yep, I cuss, yeah, but you're not cussing. Yeah. You know, and so right. so don't wait. Um, for those things eventually i would love for everybody to get to the place where they model the behavior that they won't see but until then be courageous good stand point up brother way so.
5: be the point. parent and help somebody else's
2: child along the way mm-hmm. yeah. most definitely good good point good point the um let me take a look here i want to get this going again this uh now Dr Ross is running for the US Senate here in the state of Missouri to they represent the state of Missouri. Uh yeah. yeah. Then <laughs> and and she she's running for this uh this position this seat so that she can be a voice for Missouri. And I'm not talking about a sold out voice. You know, I, I you know a voice that can be bought. She says she's mm. unbought. Yeah. She's yeah. unbiased. Yeah. You know.
5: I'm or, just me. Yeah. And I'm and, real.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> so her campaign is out there and we're uh, you can go out to Ross for U.S. Senate There's a big blue donate button in the upper right corner of that screen. Now, when she gets the donations, this goes towards opportunities to get her voice and and get her in front of the public so that they know what she stands for. Okay, this uh, events, signs, we haven't even gotten to the signs yet. Okay, Uh, we're talking about things that... When we come up to the primary, they will know uh, that Dr. Ross is on the ticket. She's number two on the ballot coming up in the primary, mm. August second. And you know what I'm hearing is that we we get a chance to hear about the money, the beer lady who is who's running. Okay, I call her the <laughs> beer lady. I don't, you know, we get a her chance. Her name to, is Trudy. Oh, Trudy. Okay. (laughs) And we get a chance to hear about uh, the other preferred candidate. Okay. Mm. The male or whatever, but you know, I'm not sure whether or not these people understand what we as, as the Missouri communities, what we're really dealing with here and whether or not they would go up there to represent Missouri in a way to where uh, we can be successful and grow. So, uh, she's also on Facebook. If you want to follow Dr. Ross and what's going on, this is actually going to be on Facebook. You can go back and, and take a look at the different broadcasts. We do live streams, uh, Facebook. She's also there, Ross for U.S. Senate, uh, Facebook. at Facebook. Now, we, we have a team. You know We have volunteers, mm-hmm. too. And this is uh, some of the volunteers that, uh, that work with us. If you want to volunteer... Contact us, contact us, and it's volunteer. It's an unpaid volunteer. <laughs> now, <Really?
5: laughs> Brother Wayne, you know, is <laughs> sharing You know, do people volunteer for real? Work for free? And work for free. I have a new marketer, and she's slamming. She made my uh, flyer for Missouri's Got Talent on May 21st at English Landing Park. If you have a talent that mm. you'd like to share, you know, to get up on the stage or just have some fun, come mm. out from 12 to 3 on that day and the awesome. flyers are posted. Okay. It's just to bring everyone together.
3: Yes, you know? we need more of that.
5: that. That's what I'm all about, unity. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, I know how to take care of business. You know, people are probably like, why don't you talk more about politics and business? Life is first. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Life, family life, mm-hmm. living. Mm-hmm. And then... uh we can talk about the business stuff i could take care of that but i'm not gonna bicker back and forth with all the garbage that people be talking about in their mm-hmm. nonsense yes i said it because i'm tired of it they mm-hmm. bicker and they fight against one another for stuff that doesn't even make sense to the rest of us they have mm-hmm. their own personal agendas and mm-hmm. it doesn't represent us mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. that's what people want to vote for then okay you're going to get the same results so mm-hmm. like that.
2: They're they're considered distractions, not really yeah. what's worth talking about. Now, Jackson County, we're talking about those who are. Uh, you're looking at a population, Jackson County population, 2020 census of 717,204 Jackson County and Missourians, okay. So Jackson County, I'm sure you got uh, you could do some big representation mm-hmm. there. Cass County, we're calling out all Cass County. I'm Green County. Just came uh, back
5: from there. Going so. to Sheridan County next week. If you want me to come to your county, send some money for gas and transportation. I'll be there. Because I work for my dollars. I, I have to go to work. So I'm working to pay my bills. If you Most want me to come, definitely. then you can give me some money to come see you. I'm just raw tonight. Mm. Okay, I'm just all right. Being real with you, mm. yeah. Real. Send, send,
2: Actually, send the, the, send the donation. request. Send yes. the request out. You know, Atchison, Missouri. We have uh, Mississippi, Missouri County. Oh my goodness! You know, mm. Mississippi County uh, at St. Charles. Represent every county.
5: I won't leave nobody out. Mm. No part of the corners of the state.
2: Osage County. Big shout out to all Ozark. Uh, you know we're we're here. We're mm. she's going to she's going to the U.S. Senate, guys. She's mm. gonna go, and we're just letting you know that this is your candidate. She mm. is your candidate. Now there are six million one hundred fifty four thousand nine hundred thirteen. Uh, people here in the state of missouri and that grew so missouri is uh, grew a little Mm -hmm. bit from the 2010 census to the 2020 census so we're uh we've grown some and there's the vote the vote is out there so when you step into that ballot uh step into that ballot box just know that you're going to uh, vote for dr gina ross and yes who can vote register to vote register to vote now doesn't Do matter now. if you're a
5: republican democrat independent i don't care i will represent you because i'm all about the people mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
4: <laughs> we
2: have an open primary which means that even if you are republican okay well dr gina is running on the democrat ticket this this is what she's running on. But here, if you know, since you know, she's the better candidate that the Republicans don't have the candidate for Missouri. They don't have the, the one that, that has Missouri and interest in the best interest. that's going to take Missouri concerns to Washington. OK, just know that Dr. Gina Ross is your candidate. We have an open primary. So when you walk up to that table you can ask for the democratic ballot they're going to ask you are you democrat republican tell them you are
5: a democrat Mm -hmm. so that you can vote they're not going to say they're a democrat just say you want the democrat you want the democrat ballot because if you tell them that they're going to be like no because a lot of people are stuck on party okay (laughs) so you know party that they they will miss out and vote against what they need let me Mm -hmm. explain how important party
2: is to the to the democratic system the democratic republic system of the united states of america it's so important that they're actually working to vote in the state of missouri and other states to close to close the voting options so in other words when you go to register to vote you have to declare whether you're a democrat or republican and guess what you'll have to go to and vote for the democratic or the republican ballot you won't be able to ha- it's no open voting it's closed so mm. they're trying to take away that freedom
5: and they're going to lose smart voters too because some people don't vote as is and- and trying to
2: take away that mm. freedom we
5: want to keep that
2: freedom open Uh, So when you see uh, some research and presentation on that the past week or so, we've published some information about that, but we're still here. We still have to, we have to live as Americans and they're trying to take away that open voting option that we now have in the state of Missouri. They're working to, to have it closed. Okay. And that's not giving us the freedom. That's taking away a freedom that we have. As U.S. citizens, all right. Wow, Wayne,
5: (laughs) what a testimony!
3: Well, thank you, ladies, for having me. It's been a a, a pleasure.
5: You don't look like what you've been through.
3: (laughs) Glory God, I seen that video. I seen, I seen that. I seen that video. (laughs)
2: most definitely most definitely and we're just glad that uh thanks for sharing and thanks for encouraging young people young parents you know you're a young person Mm -hmm. and you know just uh keep up the good work and and pray for us as we pray for you, too. We're going to we're going to keep you up in prayer as well. And
5: keep looking out for my mama in that
3: store. I got her. I got her. I got it. I got it, I got it. Yeah. Well, right. Blessings on your work in serving the community, you know, volunteering Thanks. to a degree. You know, now I know why people do it. Their heart. Is yeah, in the right yeah. place and that, that That's the only reason people. why I'm running You yeah. think I'd
5: be running for nothing That's yeah. the way some of these people act sure, No thank sure. you yeah. so.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so Just trying to pave the
5: way for change
4: Amen
2: Alright alright well just hold on We're going to run this last uh uh Piece of information And uh, just hold on Wayne and yep. Hold on Dr. Gina yeah. Alright thanks
5: Thank you everybody for watching
0: When I'm, I'm Dr. Gina Ross and I'm running for U.S. Senate for the state of Missouri. I'm good trouble because people are my first priority. I will stay true to all people. As I stay true to myself, I'm unbossed, unbought, and unbiased, paving the way for change. Please follow me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, or go to my website, RossForUSSenate.com. We're better together, building a better tomorrow beginning today. Business as usual is no longer acceptable, and feel free to make a contribution. No dollar amount is too small. Thank you very much.
1: and dare to be different and unique i'm gonna be the best me i can be by letting his glory shine through i am beautiful i am blessed but not just what you see in the flesh i'm free from people free from myself there's a liberty in Christ